8, Roe and Arthas. Where we last left off, you had reconnected with Victor, who is somebody from 8 and Arthas's past. You received a package from a V, and it included a magical item for each of you, a gift, if you will. You spend a couple days in Kidova while you have free nights at the Silver Pearl. Over those two days, aside from packing up to leave Kidova, what do each of the three of you do? We'll start with Ro. So, I've done a lot of research on who I am and my people, what very little of it exists. Um, I figure I should probably understand my companions a little bit more, so I'm going to go back to the library and ask for books on Warforged and Giant Kin. Just so I can have a better understanding of who I'm traveling with. Uh, um, not that I don't trust them, I just feel... Um, uh, I, I want to know them better. Yeah, that is not a problem. Why don't you give me a lore check? Make it at medium difficulty, so two purple. Two successes and one threat. Okay. So, with that, the librarians are able to help you find a little bit of information about Warforged. Not really a problem. They've been around for 400 years. So you learn that years and years ago, before the War of the Seven Hells, Warforged actually were created by a group in Valkora. And when the War of the Seven Hells broke out, the rebels of Eulela were able to obtain copies of the blueprints and created them to be weapons. Unfortunately, the Empire was also able to obtain copies from nefarious means, which meant that the playing field was essentially evened up. After the war, as part of a good faith effort towards peace, they were ordered to be deactivated and really haven't been seen over the last 400 years with the exception of nowadays. The librarians did tell you that what few Warforged are seen in the world today are generally servants of wealthier residents of the continent. Interesting. So over 400 years, there haven't really been any Warforged built, right? As far as the librarians can can share. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The one librarian does share with you that the text that they provide you is one that eight had access to. Mm, okay. It hadn't been filed away yet, which made it nice and easy. As far as the giant kin are concerned, there is only really one book about giant kin that, that seems to be considered accurate. Um... Professor Whitmire, after having some discussions with Arthas and, and learning that some of the information that they had in the library was actually inaccurate, a lot of the texts had already been removed from the shelves. Um, the one book that was left was 
a de- dedicated, written and dedicated for the spouse of the author. And talked a lot about the Pantheon. It talked a lot about their culture and how giant kin tend to live underground because when they did walk amongst the general populace, there was an incident that occurred. And the, the book is a little vague as to what that incident was, but essentially as part of a treaty between giant kin and humankind, they agreed to go off into exile so that no more harm could be caused. Uh, They tend to survive on goats that live on the mountain crags and they forage for berries and everything else that grows on the mountains. They also have found a way to harvest this phosphorescent lichen that tends to grow in the caves where they dwell. And they use that for all sorts of things, medicine and light and sometimes food. Okay. Very interesting. I wonder if Eight knows... I wonder if Eight is actually this old, if, if this book is entirely accurate and accounts for all the warforged that are currently, uh, are currently active in you, Leila. Thoughts for another day. Um, but the, 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 the giant, sorry, uh, the giant kin book, uh, this was also perused by, by others, according to, to the librarians there? According to the librarians, it was the one book that Professor Whitmire was told was generally accurate. Hmm, Okay. I'd imagine most other books that account for giants are folk tales or, or, or of the sort. Okay. Very interesting. Um, does the book on giant can uh, uh, account for why Arthas is um does, does the book describe giants to have, like, the tattoos and stuff, or...? This particular one does. It, it comments on you receive your first tattoo when you are 10 years of age, or when you reach six feet, depending on what comes first. Um, once you make your first successful hunt, you get a variation of that tattoo expanded on, and, you know, as you reach certain milestones, within the clan that is what builds up and eventually you can kind of tell how old or how powerful a member of the clan is based on how little of their skin is left there. I see. But that that does not apply to Arthas. Arthas just has mom on his arm. <laughs> that's right. Um, okay. That's really... Uh, all I all I had uh, I'd spend maybe uh, if that's really all that there is on on Warforged and Giantkin I'm going to spend the rest of my day uh, mulling it over and maybe trying to find someone to help me swing a sword now that I have one sure I'll, 
I'll say, um, you know, you've spent long enough time in Kidova. Beverly, your innkeeper, is able to point you towards like one of the beginning classes at the university and you are able to attend as a guest and learn the the rudimentary basics of how to use the sword. Great. That's all I got in terms of uh, stuff that Ro would do on his own. Sure. Ren, what does eight do in their final two days in Kidova? Given the discussions that have been occurring recently, meeting up with Victor, speaking to Arcturus, the very cordial meeting that we had with the Kidolvan Council. I think that a majority of what I will be accomplishing here is trying to arrange a meeting with the council member that is the envoy for the Ruharan Council. I imagine that honestly that's the only thing I can think of that I have to attend to with Victor being here to spearhead independent research I'm not feeling as much of a time crunch to check through library books or keep myself busy with with idle research because we can hopefully well of course of course I am certain we can rely on Victor to get everything done that we need to get done. He seems the reliable type. And yeah, I think that's about the only thing I really need to do. Um, I mean, in addition to meeting with Professor Trela to discuss divination magic. Which the audience will hear in a completely separate episode. I was just about to say, which will take place in something separate. And actually will be posted before this one. So you've already heard it. Congratulations, listener. To me from your past. Anyway. uh... (laughs) My future. Congratulations. I love that we break the fourth wall so much in this show. So yeah, that's that's about all I'm going to do. Otherwise, I'm going to just kind of like hang out at the, the inn maybe go to the, the park every now and then and look for the frozen cream guy and see if I can learn his secret to keeping frozen cream frozen just like you did that one vendor you learned some of the secrets of a kerfuffle yes but this that old gentleman seemed incredibly tight lipped about frozen cream secret to staying frozen all right so here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna have you roll to see if you were able to get any information and then we'll deal with your meeting with the council member because unfortunately the only slot they could fit you in was towards the end of the day on the second day i knew it i knew there would be bureaucracy to have to cut through i'm just glad they could see me before the end of the second day give me a charm check at medium difficulty please Ah, yes. Charm. My strongest skill. Did you know that eight is as charming as James Bond? Does eight also drink a martini, shaken, not stirred? Yes. I have a success 
it takes a little poking and prodding and may have an inadvertent implication that the vendor's not going to live forever and who else will pass on his tradition. Uh, he does share with you a secret that the, it is a chemical component that he pours into the bowl that basically flash freezes the cream. And all he has to do is make sure that the cart is filled with ice to maintain its structure, which is also why he only sells it a couple of hours each day. Interesting. I wonder where one would go to come into possession of such a chemical compound. Well, all you have to do is find an alchemist, of course. Oh, and I'll slap my forehead with my palm. Of course, it's so simple. An alchemist. I'll, I'll look to the old old man. Those are the types of people that do magic with chemicals, yes? Uh, magic is not the word I would have used, but yes. Well, I do not know what else I would call it, but they mix things together and make amazing things happen. That is... I believe it's called Cincy. I think that's what they call it. Cincy? I've never heard of such a thing. Where does it originate? Thunder shrugs. No idea. Hmm. Well, you say it with a lot of conviction, and I don't have the wherewithal to disagree with you. Therefore, Cincy it is. I must learn more about this. Cincy. Perhaps my companion Ro knows something about it. At any rate, thank you for divulging the secret of frozen cream to me, finally. I, I must say, I was worried that after buying so many servings, you would simply dismiss me as some sort of crazed fanatic. I had my doubts, to be sure. I apologize for the fact that I cannot actually consume it, and therefore was giving it away instead. Speaking of which, and I'll turn to the nearest passerby, would you like one of Mother's favorite frozen creams? It's oysters flavored. No, thank you. I was just going to get a strawberry. Ah, yes, that is a superior flavor, I assume. I'll turn to the next person. Would you like one of Mother's favorite oyster flavored frozen creams? I will say nobody in line takes this from you. A true shame. And I will look to, like, the nearest planter. And I will just dump the frozen cream into the planter. Okay. You get your meeting with the member of the council. You're shown into a side room in the council chambers where there is a nice wooden desk and lots and lots of bookshelves. Solarin sits before you and waits for you to indicate why you're there. Hello, I am Eight, and you must be Council Member Latham. I am here on an appointment to meet with you. I appreciate you taking the time to cut some empty space for me in your busy schedule. Always happy to help, Eight. What is it that you need? I would like to speak with you about the Ruharan Council. What is it you wish to know? How long have you been a member of the Ruharan Council? I have been a member for... 
about a hundred years. Ah, excellent. That's quite the length of time. Indeed. As a follow-up question, I must ask, do you have any knowledge of the Jruna family? The Solaran kind of furrows his brow at first. Do you happen to know when they would have served? Oh, it was quite some time ago. They were, according to my research, the family that originally created the blueprints for those of my kind. And they were members of the Ruharan Council. I was hoping you might have some sort of information regarding their history, where I might find current members of the family, should any still exist. He stands up, turns around, and starts perusing through a subsection of books on his bookshelves. These are much larger, they're thin. He opens one such, lays it out flat on the desk, and as he's perusing through the pages, he stops and looks up at you. Did the family crest look like this? And points to a page where that crest with the ibis says. I will lift up the draping shoulder wrap that I have to display my own uh, crest symbol. And I will just nod. Yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Does this book contain information about their family? It's more of an accounting of when members served. Uh, so according to this, the Jruna family stopped serving on the council about 300 years ago. Does that sound about right to you? I know it has been some time. I suppose I was hoping that existing members of the council may know more or have access to records that were not kept in the library here. Is it possible that there may be more private records that council members might have access to? Maybe in a localized depository? Hmm. Not here. Because the family is from Balcora, all their private records would be there. All we have is an accounting of how long they served, who the serving members were, and so forth. All we have listed is that when they stopped serving, it was because the member of the council decided not to run again and gave up their seat. I will tilt my head quixotically. Do you have the name of the last member to serve on the council for the family? Mm, It looks like it was a Lord Evan Buxley. At least that's the name we were given. Interesting. If it helps, it does list the city of birth as Ancora. In Balcora? Very interesting. This is most enlightening. And just to clarify, these records that would be stored across the ocean in Balcora, are they only accessible to members of the council? Or is it possible for outsiders with explicit permission to gain access? Unfortunately, I don't have knowledge of that. We know so little about the people over there. Then, 
and I will kind of tap my four fingers together in an awkward motion. It may be awfully presumptuous of me, but would perhaps you be willing to write me a letter of introduction and request I gain access to records regarding this family? This is important to me as it pertains to my own origination. And you are the only person I know who may be able to grant me such access. Give me a charm check. Give it to me at hard difficulty. Just three purple, no reds or anything. Mm-hmm. Yep, just three. Okay. Oof. Oh no, okay. That's three threat and a failure. As much as I would like to help you, Warforged, that is unfortunately something I cannot do. What I can do is I can at least make a copy of the information we have here. Perhaps someone over there, knowing you have this information, would be a little bit more amenable to giving you access. I will smile meekly and nod my head and give like a kind of half bow. Thank you, Councilmember Latham. That is most generous of you and far beyond what I honestly expect to have received. Arthas, what do you do for the last two days in Kidova? I guess because I have a little free time I'll probably just move around a little bit and see what sort of food Kidova has to offer that isn't like you know strange meat from my bag I carry around or field rations so you're gonna stock up on like whatever stuff you can find and just stick it in your meat bag half stock up half check in on other little restaurants in the area and like you know see if there's a board labeled Yelp or some sort of review for restaurants so uh, there isn't exactly a review process but you, you are able to gather from the students you talk to and some of the locals that live there all year round that there are some restaurants, some bakeries that you could try out known to have the best and or the cheapest, greasiest food in the city. And that's not not a problem. It's easy for you to find that stuff and they're able to point you to some little known like markets and things. You could buy dried meats and cheeses and things like that too. Spectacular. That's a, that's about my day. So all you're going to do for two days is eat and stock up? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that's fair. I think if I had nothing to do for two days, I would do the same. <laughs> At some point, I'd approach Arthas and I, I have a question, if maybe maybe closer to a favor from, uh, from Arthas. What can I do for you? So, one of the, the gifts that, that we got, the one designated to me, was a sword. I mean, you know this, you were there. And I was really hoping uh, I could perhaps learn a l- little bit. I mean, you are a knight, and this, uh, uh, maybe this could help us both, you know? Knights are are are, are at least from what I understand, knights are always willing to help, and I have need of help. I, I, I want to learn. 
have you held a sword before in your life? No. No. Uh, I imagine it's depending on the See, I I took a class, but they were they were using they were using these much more heavier swords than, than the one I've got. Um and so it was it was very hard to translate. Uh Step one. Dex, is there a stick nearby? I guess it depends. Where are you? If you're at the park, yes. If you're just by the inn, no. Where are we? If I'm by the inn, I'm going to go find a broomstick. That works, yeah. That's easy to find. And how... So so we didn't decide what, what kind of what kind of sword this is going to be. Thinking like a, like a hand-and-half sword. I will put it in your chat. Sure. Because <laughs> I told you what the... Well, yeah, what it does. The ability was. I forgot to give you the actual stuff. Which is okay. But yeah, um, so just just in, in conversation with Arthur's trying to find a broom. Yeah, so so I mean, I, I know, I, I think I understand the basics and, and, and all that. I just feel like if we're leaving soon, I'm, I'm going to need just a little bit of more sustained, you know, influence than the, the one two hour class that I that I that, that I audited earlier today. I snap the head off the handle and hand around the stick. This is your sword for the moment. Oh. Okay, I'm I'm very familiar with sticks. Uh, now I am going to shove you. Please prepare yourself. What? I shove Ro to figure out which foot he falls back on. Ooh. Oh okay. I follow my butt. Now we're going to do that again, but this time maintain your footing. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> maybe maybe a sort of countdown, or you know, like on one, maybe, maybe three, maybe one, two, three, go, ah, three, two, one, go. One, and then I shove, <laughs> and I will I will fall back on uh on my what was it my left foot. Good. Now notice that your legs are apart, and one of your feet is pointing at me. Oh yes. This is called circling. Stay like that. And I'm going to prepare my weapon as if I was going to hurt Ro, but I will of course not. Okay. Notice, if I step forward, point your broomstick at me. Oh, okay, point. And I'm going to walk into the broomstick in such a way that the front of the stick stabs me in the torso. Observe that if I walk towards you and do nothing to get your weapon out of the way, I die. <laughs> uh, uh, sure. Yes. This is. I'm very. This is very effective. I'm very good at this. This is called bull stance. I have to do something about your weapon. Bull stance. Okay. And then I'm going to hit his sword. Oh, okay. So that that's 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 a, is a that's a parry or, or block. Kind of. The big thing is. Notice your point is no longer going to affect me. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to try and point it back at you. No, because now I can hurt you. Step backwards. Oh. Uh, sure. I will step backwards. Circling. Your ability to hurt someone is directly correlated to how much blood you have in your body. I never thought of it like that. You'll learn in time. And with that, I'd probably just uh, explain most technique that I understand that goes into actual sword fighting and not me clubbing things with a big rock. 
I imagine it's it's very much like a lot of Arthas's self-taught techniques, like the whole the your your ability to, to to fight is dependent on the amount of blood that you've got in your body, or <laughs> you know uh, other other like Arthasisms like that. Um, yeah, like there's legitimate training in there. It's just been you know mangled a little bit. So okay, so bull technique. I think I understand that. This is because is this because bulls sort of charge with their horns and do piercing motion? with that is that what's going on here is that as we're practicing like clang clang or like with sticks clack click uh more more that if you hold that weapon point forward if i charge you i die ah is it very useful weapon ranging is important see i'm very i'm very good at the blocking i used to see i i we used to have that stick, you know, and that was very good at like deflecting attacks. But that was all based on sense and and, and intuition. None of none of this is quite different as I'm swinging a sword and, and learning footing. Staying on your feet is ninety percent of it. If you fall over, you die. Well, okay. So so what's the other ten percent? Violence. Hmm. Okay. So so the actual fighting is only ten percent of whatever this is more or less most people don't want to die in a sword fight see this is why i prefer talking and, and trying to reason with people and it's not it's much more easier to to, to to fight with words and that's why you have the 10 percent. I'm, I'm very tired Ugh. I'm not used to this i'm going to have to practice more now the other cool thing you can do with a sword may i see it uh sure is this the sword or the broomstick? Are you asking for the uh, broomstick or the sword? The sword sword. Okay, uh, sure. Yeah, uh, here we go. Now, if you fight someone wearing armor, this will do nothing, and I'm gesturing at the blade. Mm -hmm. Now, I have no issue with it, as I have a blunt instrument. However, and I would like to turn the blade over my hands, so I am holding the blade. This part is also a weapon, and I gesture at the Crossguard. Oh. You can club someone to death with this. Oh, okay. Use every part of the sword. Precisely. Everything is a weapon. Now, what should I be doing with my other hand? Holding the other part of the sword. Oh, okay. So two ha two hands. See, my, my hands can't quite fit on. Like it, it it kind of falls off the end if I'm holding it with both hands. Is that okay? Is that more or less? You were trying to give the person a concussion. Oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. Arthas, I really appreciate this. Are there, are there some sort of, like, forms that I can do just in, you know, on my own? There's the Pell. And I just walk to a tree and explain there are six zones on the Pell. The right head, the left head, the right torso, the left torso, the right leg, the left leg. Learn how to strike each part of it. And I just use the broomstick and do some very basic sword technique on it. I'm going to try and follow along and mime it on my own. Precisely. A big part of this is muscle memory. 
continue doing that until you're comfortable with it. And maybe, maybe more can hold the sword for longer. Okay. Did anyone teach you this, Arthas? A long time ago, yes. What, what, what was that like? Were you much shorter back then? Not much shorter, but the pedals were much more fragile. Oh, I see. And how long was it before you were you were comfortable? After the thirteenth pedal. Thirteenth pedal. Oh, you went through you went through thirteen of these. Restraint is another part of this. Mm. I'd imagine so. You need to conserve your energy. It's just like running. In order, in order to be able to do this longer, you need to make sure you're managing your stamina. Precisely. And, you know, make sure the other guy's out of it first. Removing all of their blood from their body. Precisely. And yeah, I'd probably spend a little bit going over that and consider Ro a graduate of Arthas's little sword school. Awesome. Arthas's giant school of little swordplay. So it sounds like the three of you were pretty busy over the, your last two days in Kidova. Uh, Beverly not only lost out on two nights' pay, but she also lost two broomsticks in the process. What happened? Where, where the second one come from? Didn't Arthas take both off two heads, two broomsticks apart for your little display, or was it just the one? Oh, I was using my sword. Oh, okay. Well, then she lost a bro- a singular broomstick in the process. I'm sorry, I misunderstood that. I will, of course, pay to replace it. <laughs> the, like, five silver it costs to replace a broomstick. Find a re- suitable replacement stick. Because you are not waiting for the route to open up in a couple of months, I would like the three of you to give me a group survival check. Survival. At hard difficulty. So, survival is keyed off of... I have three three cunning. Cunning. Cool, because I have one. I have an A rank in survival. Is that is that the most ranks? I don't know. Are there so many? Let me sur- I also have a rank in survival. And I have two cunning. So it looks like we're going to use Rose cunning and one rank of survival. Cool. So that is two green, one yellow. Got it. Mm-hmm. And three purple. Well, that rolled for a long time. Uh, one threat. No, no threat. And three success. It was a very good roll. So thank God you have a giant kin in the party who is very used to traversing mountains in the snow. Um, normally, on the safe route, This trip would have taken you two weeks. Y'all actually make it through the mountains in a week and safely, nonetheless. No encounters, no nothing, no weird icicle wolves like you did back up in Westbridge. You're able to easily traverse the fields and the roads heading past and around Azara. Each day, it gets colder. Every morning you wake up to fog. Sometimes the day is sunny, which helps with the chill. 
but every tree you pass, you see that the leaves are starting to drop from the trees. Everything is oranges and browns and yellows. After a few days of travel, you come to a crossroads where you see a woman peddling a cart of vegetables. Now, when you say peddling, do you mean selling? Or is she on a bicycle pulling a a cart of vegetables? P-E-D-D-L-E, selling. Okay. Not (laughs) P-E-D-A-L. As you get closer, you hear, Cabbages! Carrots, potatoes for sale. If we are in need of amping up our fresh produce for meals, I would be perfectly happy to procure new supplies that we might enjoy a fresh stew. Ooh, I do like a good spot. Selling vegetables, you say? Produce, you say? We do say. Would you also care for some produce, Simply Arthas? Yes, please. Uh, sure. Oh, okay, okay. Um, hello, uh, vegetable merchant. Um, we are, we are... You can call me Agatha. Hello, Agatha the vegetable merchant. We are interested in procuring some of your wares, your, your, your produce. That's fine, that's fine. What can I get you today, young sir? Well, it would, we're going to make some stew. I'll look over at eight. Not sure what goes in the stew, but... What kind of meat are you putting in the stew? Grey paste. Agatha looks disgusted. What? It's highly nutritious. That's not meat. I'm talking you're putting in rabbits, you're putting in goat. Is it going to be beef? Pork? Well, I suppose that depends on what is available for hunt in this location. Fine, fine. So it's probably going to be some rabbits. They're the easiest ones, unless you want squirrel. So here, she grabs, like, this cloth sack. And she starts, like, rummaging through her produce. You see her grabbing a couple potatoes and uh, carrots. And each time she grabs something, she goes, you can go and need some you're going to need some carrots. I in here have some cabbages because that always goes well in a stew. Makes you regular too. Regular in relation to what? She stops, looks at you, looks back at her vegetables. The very organic. Oh, and you're gonna want some herbs and she just grabs like a handful of this green stuff that she has in a pot next to the cart. She just tosses it in the cloth bag. That'll be five gold. I will put up the gold. Thank you, kind sir. Thank you for your your purchases today. And if there's anything else you need, just don't forget Agatha's peddling cart of vegetables right here anytime you need it. Uh, here, this crossroads. I sir, every day. Or at least every day that we have produce. Well, if we're going to be referring people to this crossroads, does this crossroads have some sort of name or something that could be found on any sort of map? Because we just, we just came here. It was on the way. Devil's bathtub. The devil's bathtub. <laughs> she nods. 
And next you're going to ask why the devil's bathtub everybody always does. If you go down that road, she points behind her, about a mile, there's a sulfur pit and it smells like, you know, well, you know. Uh. So we call that the devil's bathtub and this is the crosses, closest crossroads to it. Yes, okay. Friends, would we like to see one of the local sites? This devil's bathtub sounds very interesting. Is it really like a fart? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Agatha. Worse. Think if it, uh, an animal crawled up your ass and died. And then you farted it out. That's what it smells like. I look over at Hate and Arthas. You know, I'm, I'm still curious, but the, I'm... I'm the worry is is starting to uh, starting to overtake that. I, I I will go if you two would like to go. But my nose is quite sensitive. I'm sure you understand. I look at Ro, confused for a moment, and then it kind of clicks in my head. Oh, you're afraid that this quote dead animal fart smell will overwhelm your senses. Precisely. Perhaps we might be able to find a higher elevation at which to look down upon the Sulphur Springs and appreciate their majesty without the stink. No, no, it's it's just right there. It's a mile we can go and then leave. Go, and if it's too much, I can I could just plug my nose. I suppose I could enchant your nose to smell something pleasant you can do that or at the very least i can protect you from the stink oh that's right yes will, will is there any risk of permanently damaging my nose i cannot say for certain magic is fickle though i cannot say i've ever caused anyone to lose their sense of smell you know sure Eight, I trust you. Let's go check this place out. I'd like to see it. It's, it sounds very cool. It's, I just wouldn't want to smell it. So that's the problem. Those two two senses don't don't agree. You will have to describe the scent for me in detail, as I am unable to experience it. I will start describing it to you from further away, as we are walking up, and then hopefully the spell works. I won't be overwhelmed. You'll have some sort of idea. Alright, eight. Which umbrella spell type are you casting? I was thinking of a protection spell. Okay. And I am going to make a dome of protective air that will smell like what Ro has described to me. Because I don't want to rob Ro of the experience. But I don't want it to be as strong as the regular smell. <laughs> okay, so you're finding a way to mute the smell a little bit is what you're getting at. Yeah, like like the subdued version of the smell. It is so nice you wrote. I want Ro to smell the fart, but I don't want I you want to it sm- to be too powerful. <laughs> I don't want it to be at magnitude 100. I want it to be magnitude 5. <laughs> God. All right. Uh medium difficulty. Go ahead. Oh. Yeah, and I suppose if I can, I'd like to also do this for Arthas as well, because I don't want Arthas to smell the awful fart. Appreciate it. Sure. 
just the little fart. Um, well, I just have an advantage left over. All right, eight. What do you think? I think it works for a little bit. But as we get closer, it just, it like cuts the fart smell in some magnitude, but it just doesn't prevent it entirely. Not as much as you had hoped. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I will say about three quarters of a mile out, you do start to smell this thing, row. And then when you get a little closer, that is when Arthas would would smell it. Um, You do arrive at this gigantic sulfur pool and it is absolutely gorgeous it has this beautiful teal and turquoise and dotted with oranges and pinks and it's just gorgeous and all the stones around it are this beautiful shiny white and it's just if it weren't for the smell it would be a very pleasant place there are no trees around it you don't really hear any birds so it does feel kind of dead and it's not like the water's moving it is this very beautiful mirror but it does reek. What did she call this place again? The Devil's bathtub. Oh, okay, it's more more like more like the devil's butthole. It's it 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 really it it's very powerful. The the description Agatha gave us is quite apt. Maybe maybe throw in some some more of that um rotten egg smell. I will inhale very deeply. <sighs> I do not smell a thing. I'm covering my nose. I'm actually pinching my nose. You know that might be for the better. You you can you can detect the chemical compounds, right? It's like taste. Ah, yes. I would have to taste some of the water, I suppose. Do you think that's allowed? I will look around. Well, I do not see any signs that say, please do not taste water. Then I dare you to do a date. You, and I will use air quotes, dare me to do it? I challenge you. Oh, like... A test of fortitude. Yes. Will you be participating? Absolutely not. Then who am I competing against? I am mulling it over. Simply Arthas, will you consume this sulfuric water with me? I will not. Uh, well. Uh, I, it's more of like testing your own limits and experiences. Oh, yes. New experiences. I have never consumed water from a sulfuric geyser before. Perfect. And I will hurry over to the nearest puddle, and I will just scoop some up in my hand, and you will see me almost greedily pour it straight into my mouth. Ah, yes. After letting the water settle on my tongue for a moment, you'll hear, Oh, that is very sulfurous. In fact, I would wager that it is potentially lethal if consumed by an organic. It's very good that we did not participate in this challenge then. Yes, although it would be very apt to challenge your limits. Are you saying that I should breathe in? Oh no, I'm simply saying if you would like to push your limits, this would be a great chance to do so. Otherwise, 
I would not tell you what you should or should not do. I'm going to I'm going to talk normally, but imagine I am plugging my nose. I will say, the devil's butthole is quite beautiful. You know what? <laughs> Just for the sake of it. And that's where we're going to end the session. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us next time. But in the interim, follow us on Twitter at Roads Uncharted. The Roads Uncharted podcast is GM'd and produced by Dax, who you can find on Twitter at GM underscore Dax. We use the Genesis RPG system published by Fantasy Flight Games and music licensed by Epidemic Sound. Arthas, champion of Offum, is played by Neil. Eight is played by Ren, who also composed the music for our opening theme. Follow them on Twitter at Thorny Dryad. Ro is played by Kappa, and you can follow him on Twitter at the Kappa Chris.